Thank you for listening to the Life Church of Kansas City, Missouri. Consider supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com, subscribing, and sharing this message with your friends. God bless you. And praise the Lord, everybody. What an incredible atmosphere we are in, and what an incredible conference this has been. If you love the Gleason family, Bishop and Pastor Justin, would you get loud and clap your hands and thank the Lord for them? I love them so much. I can't thank Bishop enough for his influence in my life. And Brother Justin Gleason is my prophet who speaks into my life. And I appreciate both of them and this entire family. And give honor to Bishop Wilson. What an incredible word from the Lord. Oh. What, you know, it's always good when you see God back up the word. And there was such a demonstration of God's power, he's going to do a new thing. And then, of course, Brother Stone King loves so much. And boy, did Brother Caleb Herring burn the barn down last night. What an incredible message from the Lord. Wow. So after Brother Herring and then Brother Wilson and Brother Stone King, I said, I feel sorry for the guy that's got to follow these people. Unbelievable. So give honor to my beautiful wife, Janae. She's watching at home with three of our four kids, and then I've got Jet the Threat with me here. I'm so thankful for my family. Second Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 6. Second Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 6. I think what the Lord is just putting in me here is that what he just dropped on us in the form of the bomb from Bishop Wilson, he's now going to give us instruction on how to see it, receive it, and walk in it. Second Corinthians 10 verse 3, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. My subject this morning, my assignment today is secrets about strongholds. Secrets about strongholds. I'm after some demon blood with this sword. Lord Jesus, have your way. In this house, release your anointing and your authority upon every situation. I pray in the name of Jesus that every devil that's been in every home would be nervous right now. And that by the time this thing is over, they will have fled with everything inside of them and never want to go back to that house. I take authority over every unseen attack right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Every hidden spirit working against the minds of the young people and the parents of this generation. Have your way today in Jesus' name. Would you clap your hands to the Lord one more time? Let's roll. You may be seated. I know I'm standing between you and lunch. My pastor, Brian Kinsey in Pensacola, made a statement to me that changed my life because I really didn't understand it, uh, didn't understand this text until he made the statement. Then I began to dive into it. He said, the enemy will build strongholds in everyone's life through breaches that have opened up through past pain. In other words, he said that when something traumatic happens to you, the enemy uses that wound, that opening, as the gateway into which they will now attack you from henceforth. It's not that the same thing happens over and over and over. It's just that the thing that happened that you weren't expecting that hits you now becomes the passageway in which they launch every other attack. It's the breach. It's the opening. Why would the devil attack you in a different way when he knows how to get to you every single time? Why would he offer you drugs if you've never smoked a cigarette? Why would he offer you alcohol if you've never been to a bar? He's not going to do that. He's going to do the thing that he's watching 
watched you struggle at. He's going to find the thing that you failed at and use that as the breach, as the passageway to get to you. And from that attack, he will begin to build what we've called in the Bible, we see in the Bible, a stronghold. Stronghold in the Greek is castle or fortress. And so when you hear the term and you hear, you sing the song, we're here to pull down strongholds. What you're actually saying in the original text, we're here to pull down the castles of hell, the place where they send their orders and the place where they send out their commands. And it's easier said than done to pull down a stronghold. Paul begins to say that our weapons are not carnal, but mighty through God. If you're going to fight in spiritual warfare, you can not do it in the flesh because spiritual authority only works if you're in the spirit. Spiritual authority does not work because you're mad at the guy that cut you off in traffic. It doesn't happen that way. Spiritual authority only happens when you are in the spirit, when you are praying and fasting and searching the kingdom of God. Then you can speak and God can use you in a mighty way. And so we understand our weapons are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of these castles, of these fortresses. And Paul then describes where hell is building their kingdom. And we all think about it across the world. We think that it's in, in these high places of government. And we are hearing the reports like Bishop just taught about. But he was trampling all over my message as he began to talk about the names of the virus that are all from the mind. Because hell's desire is to build the castle in your head more than any other place in the entire world. Because if hell gets in your head, it doesn't matter what you feel in the altar. It doesn't matter what you feel when your hands are raised. If, the getting, if you're getting your orders from something in here that's been built by a demon. I don't care how much Holy Ghost you have. You begin to act in a different way. Because the order is coming from a castle being built by your thought life. And he begins to talk about how hell builds the castle. The first thing they use are imaginations. The Bible said we are to cast down imaginations. The word imaginations is computings, reckonings, reasonings, or judgments. In other words, hell brings something to you and you build an image off it in your mind. The brain can do 10 quadrillion functions per second and you begin to build the image of what you thought about and now you've got an imagination it is amazing we talk about that when it comes to visual images and how we we see something and then we can't erase it from our mind because an imagination has been brought forth but it's not just things that you see hell loves to do all kind of things it's amazing how you can have uh, thoughts about someone in church and and you think they may not even like you and you walk in the room and you see them look at you and then whisper to their neighbor and before long you're, you're starting to think well they're talking about me and they saw me and now they just said something and now they think that and you begin to build something in your mind they didn't even talk about you they just looked at you but you let a thought become a brick and the brick is now working on the castle and you're starting to think things about people in church that you, that's why people that get offended are so hard to win because the Bible said a brother offended is harder to win than a strong city and his contentions are like the bars of a castle because before long if you get offended anything can offend you and any look can offend you any statement can offend you some of you are offended right now because offense gets on your face on your phone. I don't have to shout. I'm telling the truth. It's a castle. And we are to cast down. Imagine. You have to pull down strongholds signifying it's above you, but you can cast down. You have the power to throw the thought from hell. Here's why you cast it down, because then the Bible said, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God. What is a high thing? A high thing is a thought from the enemy that 
got access to your spirit and is now building itself in your body and in your life. Let me break it down. When a thought comes to you from the adversary, you are supposed to block it. You're supposed to resist it. You're supposed to rebuke it. And if you do not resist the thought, the thought now gains access to your territory and now lives in your spirit. And before long, the thought begins to elevate. You can stare at me. The thought begins to elevate. And then all of a sudden, it becomes a high thing. You're not doing what you thought about, but you're thinking it. Can I just say that you're not walking in victory just because you're not doing what you're thinking? I'm killing this conference. You're not walking in authority just because you're not acting out the hatred that you're thinking about. Because Satan knows if I get inside your head, you can act one way publicly, but you'll fail privately. And I'll take you to hell in your private life just like I would. So when a thought comes, I have to rebuke it. Submit yourself therefore unto God. Resist the devil and he will flee. That statement, he will flee, means he will seek safety by flight. In other words, when you are submitted and he comes to attack you, when you resist him through submission, he assumes he's going to get hurt for attacking you. He does not assume he's just leaving. He's assuming something's going to chase him because he attacked somebody submitted. That's why you've got to walk in submission, young people, because you have no power over hell until you do. If you're casting the devil out and he's not leaving, it's not an authority problem. It's not a faith problem. It's a submission problem. But if you can take that devil by the throat and say, I'm submitted to God's word. I'm submitted to God's man, my pastor. I'm submitted to the body. I submit to the name. I submit to the blood. I submit to the spirit of God, the angels of God, the will of God. The devil will leave thinking he's going to be attacked. So how, how do, what do you mean resist the thought? That means you've got to speak against it when it comes to you. That means you're whew, driving in the road and bam, something comes out of nowhere. You've got to say, I rebuke that in Jesus' name. Why? Because if I don't resist it, I'm, it's like a checkpoint and I'm not just doing my thorough job and letting it have residency in my territory now. I'm not blocking what it's trying to do because it's on a mission to go against the knowledge of God. Not my knowledge, the knowledge of God. Hath God said that if you eat this fruit, you will surely die. The, the mission of a thought from hell is to bring down what God thinks about you and what God has said to you. So, if you have the Holy Ghost, there are three, three types of thoughts. You're, you're going to have your thoughts a lot more than any other thought. Thoughts from yourself. Should I have the brisket or should I have the ribs? Brisket. Sorry for you booing me. I've got ribs, whatever. It's your thought. You, that's, that's, that's something that came inside of you. When you hear the word, I'm going to do a new thing, that's a God thought. And then there are demonic thoughts. The greatest weapon, I want you to, if you remember nothing else I say, remember this. The greatest weapon Satan has is mimicking your own voice to yourself. He mimics your voice. He comes to you and you think, well, I'm thinking that. You're thinking it because he's whispering it and you're not checking it. Hey, some of you don't like that. <laughs> but if you have the Holy Ghost and God is in you, that thought is not from you because you are a new creature. It's not in you. It's not of you. It's coming to you. Why are you here? So, 
resist it. You block it. You speak against it. And God sets up a checkpoint so that every thought that comes in as a trespasser from hell has to get through this Holy Ghost point in your life where you're driving on the road or you're at the house and something comes and you, I rebuke it in Jesus' name. You might look crazy to somebody in the car, but you just stopped hell with a brick as they were coming on the, you said, nope, not to. I'd rather look crazy in front of you and keep the castle in ruins than sit there and win your favor while I've got something going on. So you rebuke it when it comes to you. But my problem is, Bishop, that works when the thought is at the doorway of my spirit, when the thought is at the gate, when the thought first approaches me, rebuking it works. What do I do with thoughts that are in the basement? What do I do about the thoughts that have been living in me for 12 years? What do you do with the thoughts that you haven't acted on but you've let them live. You know they're there. Rebuking it doesn't work because you let it in. You can't remove a devil you invited in. You can't cast out what you flirt with all the time. It does not work. I don't have to get any help, but I'm in the Holy Ghost. You can't keep letting thoughts in your life year after year. Then all of a sudden one day I say, I, I command those thoughts to leave. Those thoughts were let in by you. You gave the devil the key to the house. You need a higher source of power to get rid of thoughts that are living inside of you versus thoughts that are trying to get inside of you. How do we do it? Rebuking works at the door, but there must be something deeper that deals with the thoughts that are living within. Jeremiah 4 Verse 14 tells you the formula, O Jerusalem, wash thine heart from wickedness that thou mayest be saved. How long shall thy vain thoughts lodge within thee? Rebuking doesn't work thoughts that are lodging in you, only repentance does. Oh, I'm about to lose some shouting. Repentance deals with things that are living on the inside while you act another way on the outside. The Lord sent me to tell you in my opening slide that I want to give you victory in the areas you need victory that no one knows you need victory in because if I can get you victory there, it'll bleed out everywhere else. Here we go. Are you ready? Apologizing is not repenting. The reason you keep repenting over the same thing, I keep saying, I'm sorry, why do I keep falling? Because you're still going down the same pathway. Apologizing is just saying, I'm sorry, I failed again, I failed. But you're still walking the same road. You have to be a trailblazer and say, I don't know how I'm gonna turn around, but God, I repent. I don't know what steps in front of me. I don't know how to make it, but I've made up my mind. I'm not leaving the altar the same way I always leave. Apologize. I'm leaving walking in a different direction. I'm leaving walking in a new pathway. Wash thine heart. To all my Everest boys that were on the call this week, we had a pastor speak to us from Chicago, and he said when David sinned with Bathsheba, he started in Psalm 51 by, by saying, okay, God, would you blot out my sin with your tender mercy? Which means, will you, will you just dab it? But he said David knew that blotting it wasn't working. That tender mercies wasn't dealing with the addiction so David said in verse 2, wash me. How many have prayed God wash me before? Just be real. 
Now I'm going to ask you, do you realize what you prayed? Because what it means in the Hebrew is tread upon me. Taking a garment and putting it in the water and then beginning to stomp on it until the stain came out. And if the stain was not out when they stomped on it, they would begin to beat it, he said, against the rock over and over until the stain was gone. And you're saying, oh God, wash me. And you're wondering why you're going through hell. I'll tell you why. Because when you say wash me, you're telling God, get rid of the thing and whatever you have to do to do it to me. so I can be clean. Welcome to a fearful prayer because you can't control how God washes you. To wash means to tread upon. God, I'm, I'm going through, don't you care? I'm going through so much. God, it's like you're against me. You asked me to wash you. I'm sorry. I took you serious. You're not answering my prayer. Oh, I'm answering your prayer. Because guess what? God wants you to have victory in your thought life more than any other place in your life. If you can get victory in your thoughts. Paul, Paul looked at Agrippa. Bound in chains. Agrippa's dad had murdered James. Agrippa's grandpa beheaded John the Baptist. And Agrippa's great-grandpa murdered all the babies when Jesus was born. And Paul looked at him and said, I think myself happy. It doesn't matter what you do to me. I've got you pinned in my mind. I've got victory in my head. Some of you would be able to shout about this if you weren't under such conviction of the sin right now. But if you will let God in and let God wash you, you'll be able to tell the devil, I have victory in my mind. If you rebuke it, You block it. You don't. You release it. If you repent of it, you remove it. He said, I'll cast your sin into the sea of forgetfulness. But repentance, Brother Herring, is not enough either. Because repentance removes the stuff from hell. But my Bible tells me that if a spirit leaves a man and the man leaves everything empty, the spirit comes back seven times stronger. Well, I repented. I turned away. I did good for a while. And then all of a sudden it was like worse than ever. You did repent. You did remove it. But you did not replace what you removed. Can I talk to you about how to replace the thoughts from hell? I'll just give you a verse in the Bible and let you decide if Paul's. Philippians 4, verse 8. We all quote it all the time. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, pure, lovely, good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, meaning if you can find anything good to think about, do it because you're blocking and you're replacing well you don't know what she said about me and you're letting your past dictate your future you're letting what was said yesterday control your tomorrow you we've got to learn to think good things even about people we can't say good things about I may not be able to say something good, but I'm going to make myself think something good so I can replace what was living inside of me, taking me down. 
The Lord said, I want to take you to the dimension of mental praise, not just verbal praise. I'm used to my people speaking praise, but they dishonor me with their mind and with their hearts. I want you to get up thinking about how good I am because when you praise me with your mind it eventually comes out of your mouth when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all that he's done for me my soul cries out because when it gets in my mind it gets in my mouth out of the abundance of the heart mouth speaketh So when praise gets in your head, it eventually gets out into the atmosphere. That's why some of you, please don't get mad at me, but you haven't moved a muscle. And I think I'm the fourth preacher here in the last 12 hours. You haven't moved. And the reason why you can't move is you're under arrest in your mind. Because if there was praise in your mind, it would manifest in your mouth. It would come out of your hands. It would come out of your lips. It would break forth because there's not a devil in hell that can keep praise from coming out of a child of God who's got it free in the mind. I'm just teaching trying to take it easy this morning. I got, I got round two later today. So when you remove it, you replace it. That's being obedient to the word of God. And when your obedience is fulfilled, everything that was disobedient gets revenge put upon it, the Bible said. Revenge or to punish. I, I punish the things that come to make you disobey. That's why demons are nervous right now. Because you, if you get your mind right, they don't just get cast out. They get punished for coming in. Can I just be real? I'm going I'm to break it open. The devil's greatest fear is not being cast out. It's where he's being cast to. It's not, oh, you're going to cast us out. Can you put us in the pigs? Because he doesn't fear being cast out. He'll find some carnal vessel somewhere in the building and jump on them. That's why it's dangerous to be a non-praiser in a prophetic atmosphere because demons look for non-praisers. And when devils leave other people, they jump on the non-praisers. When demons are being cast out, they look for something to land in. So if someone is getting delivered and you're getting critical and you're doubting it and you're analyzing it, the spirit's already circling your head saying that's the one we can land on because he's not involved, she's not engaged, she's not unified, he's critical. Somebody needs to wake up and recognize there's no room in this house for any demons that are leaving someone else. So they, they, they get cast out, but they're, they're worried about where they can be cast to because they said to Jesus, are you here to torment us? before the time meaning you can put us in hell right now you can keep us from going to anybody else ever again you can put us in a place where we can't attack anybody else they fear being cast to hell not being cast out but when you say get out of here and be bound forever I command that spirit to be tormented before it's time. Hell begins to be very nervous. And the reason why there's so much fear in the world is because Satan is afraid. He knows, he knows, he knows he's about to go to hell. And he... 
He's trying to take the whole world with him. That's what it's all about. He knows he's about to go to hell. He's afraid, so he's releasing fear. You need to let it be known, I'm not going there with you, devil. You're headed there by yourself. I am not afraid, for God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Here's what I came to tell you. If you rebuke it and you repent of it and you remove it and you replace it, you can now receive thoughts from God. He just spoke the thought from God. The reason it gets to you is because you're removing the thoughts from hell. Why do people sit there in a message? Because they can't receive the thought from God because of the thoughts from hell. What's the thought from God? Let me show you. Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know, for 29, 11. <laughs> Let's go back one verse. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Not the thoughts that I think about you. Not the thoughts that I think of you, Adonis. The thoughts I think towards you, which means the thoughts I push in your direction. Because my desire is that you will hear my thoughts about you so you will think about you what I think about you. Well, I'm just pathetic. I'm a loser. I'm a nobody. Stop saying those words. That's not of God. You are anointed by the Holy Ghost. You're a child of the King of Glory. was in my dining room a few months ago, Bishop. But it's like Saturday night. About six, oh no, it's about eight o'clock because the kids just laid down. I had a stressful day. Didn't get anything I needed to get accomplished. Just, just took care of the kids all day. Kids were asleep. Walking in the dining room and I said out loud, Josh, you're such a loser. So pathetic. Didn't get anything done. 30 minutes later, my phone rings. It's Bobby Wade. Hey, bro. The Holy Ghost said, stop calling yourself a loser and you're not pathetic. I said, what in the world? He said, I don't know why I'm telling you, but God told me. I said, I just spoke those words in my dining room. Nobody heard me. He said, the Holy Ghost heard you and it offended God that you called yourself that. Some of you need to realize you're making God mad every time you bring yourself down. Stop it. You're a child of God. You belong to the king. So now I don't say anything in the dining room. I love you, Lord. Got an angel standing in there. There really is an angel in the dining room. Every time we leave, we check the cameras at home, and there's this thing that stands at nighttime. You can see the camera like this in our dining room, like seven feet tall. Some guy just left you at the starting line just now. You believe devils, but not angels. God's listening. Here's why. He wants you to receive the thoughts he thinks about you. And they, can you put that verse back up? They are thoughts of peace. How can somebody be going through COVID and have so much peace? Because I'm getting thoughts from another world. You know, Joy Haney told my wife on the phone two days ago. She said, my wife asked her, what makes you so powerful in spiritual warfare intercession? She said, that's easy. I don't follow the news. I follow the spirit. If I stay away from the news, I touch God every single day. I'm sorry for bugging some of you because you'd rather listen to Fox and CNN than the Word of God. That's why you're always upset in your spirit and you never have peace. But if you want peace in your spirit, this needs to be read before the news articles on your phone are read every single day so the voice of God can get... Here's what I came to preach to you, this last line. Thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you... 
an expected end. This is everything right here. Expected end in the Hebrew is the end that you hope for. My Bible says faith is the substance of things hoped for. You ready? When you have faith for something, what you actually have is a thought from God about your end. Well, I've got faith for this. You've got faith because God pushed a thought to you. You felt it. You received it. You're believing for something now. You call it faith. God said, I thought about you and you just happened to receive it. You don't even have a clue what you had faith for. But when my faith hits your atmosphere, you start believing for things that you cannot make happen on your own. Oh, we're going we're gonna to double. I've got faith for it. No. He said, I think I'll make them double. Yeah, I think we're going to double. Oh, I'm going to be a missionary. I've got faith for it. No. You're going to be a missionary. And you start walking towards the unknown anointing because God's thought has hit the atmosphere. And all of a sudden, you start believing God. You step out of the pew of doubt and discomfort and you start heading down to an altar believing God can use me. God's going to anoint me. He's going to do something great through me. It's not because you've got faith. It's because you received a thought from God that's now transitioned as faith. I'll close with this. I may have told it here. If I have, I apologize. I remember preaching on baptism one Sunday morning in Florida at Brother Hire's church in DeLand. And I remember preaching and pulling people to come to the front to be baptized. And, and a few came up and the Lord said to me, there are still more. And so I, I kept making the pull. It was very uncomfortable, very awkward. And I just kept pulling and a few more came. And then finally, uh, no more came. And so I we baptized a few and then church ended. We went out to eat, came back that night for Sunday night church and, and, uh, preached a different message and prayed for the people on the altar and and then everyone left me and the pastor about to leave and so I walk out to my car pastor's in his office there's the pastor's car there's my car and there's another car beside my car and there's a man inside the car and he looks at me and tears are rolling down his eyes and I I just kind of wait with you okay and he he jumps out of his car his name was Pete he was six foot three big old guy and he said oh I can't believe it's you I I can't believe it's you I said well, he said, my name's Pete. And he said, you preached on baptism this morning. And he said, you said there was someone else that needed to be baptized. And he said, it was me, preacher. I, I needed to. And he said, but I, I'm not allowed to. And, and he said, I, I needed to. I came back tonight hoping you'd preach it again. So maybe I would try. But he said, you don't understand. I, I want to, but I'm not allowed to. And I thought, okay, maybe there's a medical condition. Bishop, I thought, maybe there's something wrong. You know, so what's wrong with your body? He said, there's nothing wrong with my body. And he, he's not proud. He's not arrogant. He's just broken. He said, I'm not allowed to because I made a deal with the devil. And I pulled the sword out. <laughs> but now you're talking my language, homie. What happened? He said, preacher... I was so heavily bound by drugs. I owed a drug dealer so much money. He said, they put a hit out for me. And he said, I heard that if you prayed to Satan and asked him for something, he would give it quicker to, to you than God would if you gave him your soul. He said, it's worse, preacher. He's not brow. He, he's just broken, Brother Caleb. He just broke. He said, preacher, it's worse. I said, Satan, if you'll give me this money and save my life, I'll give you my soul and my first two children when they're born also. He said, preacher, it gets worse. I said, what do you mean? He said, my first son 
when he was in my wife's womb, she aborted him. And he said, our second baby, her son also, she aborted him too. And he said, when she aborted our second son, the devil came to me. And he said, I have your soul and I have your first two children also. And he said, so preacher, you see, I can't get baptized. I said, time out. You want to talk about this? Let's, let's be real. First of all, the devil's lying to you. He does not have your kids. I said, they were never born into sin. They're not here. They're in heaven. He's lying to you about that. And secondly, you want to talk about abortion. Any deal you do with the devil is aborted when you get in the water, it doesn't matter what it is. When you get in the water, every deal of hell is done. He went down in the water. He came up speaking in tongues. But then this is what he told me, Bishop. I didn't realize what it meant until eight years later, a couple months ago. He said, preacher, when I came out of the water, he said, for 20 years, he said, I'm six foot three, but I felt like I was three foot six. He said, because there's been bricks upon me for the last 20 years. He said, but when I came out of the water, it was like bricks were falling off my head. I didn't know what it meant. Now I do. The castle went down. I've come to bring down every castle. I've come to bring down every stronghold. It's the will of God for you to have victory in your mind, victory in your thoughts. Somebody needs to speak it. I am the head and not the tail. I am above and not beneath. No weapon that is formed against me shall prosper. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. If God be for me, who can be against me? If God's on my side, whom shall I? He said, tell him, I want the strongholds to come down so they can receive my thought. And now he's telling me to tell you this. Those that stepped up for the unknown anointing when Bishop Wilson was done, you came and you didn't know what it was going to be. The Lord will soon reveal to you what it's going to be specifically because you are going to bring down the thing blocking the clarity of God from getting to your future. You're not going to shout about that, but when you get the direction, when the dream comes, when the angel visits, when the word comes, when the unction comes, you're going to know, I just got the thought from God. I just got the thought from God. I'm after the secret battle, the secret struggle, the war within, the demon that hides every altar call, the one that doesn't go to church with you but visits you in your bedroom when no one's around, the one that doesn't show up in the altar but shows up when nobody's around. I'm after that demon in the name of the Lord Jesus, the one that wants to live in your life when no one's around. Why are we settling for partial victory? We go to the altar about everything except the thing. I want to see God release victory in the place, in the crevice, in the place where hell has built the castle. Lay hands on your own head right now. You've got your hands on a castle right now. You've got your hands. 
I come against every thought, every fear, every anxiety, every spirit of depression, suicide, lasciviousness, evil concupiscence, every spirit of lust, perversion. I come against every spirit of homosexuality, every spirit of hell, every demon in the night, every demon that's coming with a torment behind him. I'm aiming for the spirit of fear. I aim for the demon that visits you when no one's around, that makes you go silent, that makes you stop praising, and makes you stop worshiping, and makes you stop thinking clearly, that makes you become a different person. I'm after the Esau, Akata. I'm after the twin. I'm after the other you. I'm after the voice of hell. Would you lay hands on your head by the authority of the word of God, by the power of the name of Jesus, by the anointing that's upon us. Let there be deliverance in every mind. Let there be repentance. Let there be resistance. Let there be replacement. Let there be removal. Let there be receiving the thoughts of God. Altar calls open, but the altar's in your head. The altar's in your head. You don't need to find any new place, but the head needs to be dealt with. If you're going to have victory, if you're going to walk in the high places, you've got to bring down the high things. If you're going to walk in high places, you've got to bring down high things. A panic attack is a thought that became a high thing. An anger outburst is a thought that became a high thing. An addiction is a thought that's become a high thing. I want to say something right now. I want you to look, I've not said this in this type of altar call, but I feel the Holy Ghost. We've had a lot of preaching this since I've been here the last 12, 14 hours to the, this next generation. And I'm thankful. But can I just say something to the moms and dads in here? How can you expect your son to walk in victory if he's got to deal with daddy's demons that daddy won't deal with? Because your little patty cake, I'm with you, but I'm not changing anything. Tells me you've got stuff that you've let in the house. Oh, I lost the shouters. How can your teenage daughter walk in authority, mom, with the monsters you've never dealt with? I wish there'd be victory that would not just get on the next generation but would get on the other generations as well, where you'd say, God, Shataya, I might be 40, I might be 60, but bring down the castle. Well, I'm fine, I go to church, it, it doesn't mess me up too bad. But your kid's wondering why it's getting blindsided. And the kid's never thinking, dad's doing this. His dad's faking. I know you're not happy, dad. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, mom. But the kids need more than your hand clap support. The kids need you to live the life behind the scene where you say, I'm not just walking in here. What about an altar call where we all get involved? I'm just saying, what about an altar call where we all get delivered? What about an altar call where we all have our hands up? An altar call where we're all engaged. Hikashotaya. Would you lay hands on someone beside you? Yes, I said it. 
And would you speak to their mind? You might be going against a 30-year-old demonic voice, a 50-year-old spirit, a 10-month spirit. You might be going up against something that's been there for decades. But would you speak in the name of Jesus? we deliver others if we are bound ourselves how can you deliver someone else if you're in chains mentally for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds we are the apostolic church God has not given us the spirit of fear, power, love, sound mind, sound mind, sound mind, sound mind. Get ready for the new thing. Get ready for the new thing. Get ready for the new thing. You shall walk on waters that you've always sank in. You shall walk on waters that you've always sunk in. You shall walk on waters that you've always had trouble in. You shall have victory where you've had defeat. You shall have peace where you've had peril. You shall have anointing where you've had adversity. You shall have strength where you've had struggle. You shall have victory where you've been a victim. The Lord is renewing your mind. Be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Somebody pray in the Holy Ghost and confuse the devil right now. Somebody pray in the Holy Ghost and confuse the demonic powers. <laughs> There's victory in the pew, victory in the pew, Holy Ghost in the pew, Holy Ghost.
Hallelujah. 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 Be ye transformed by the renewing. Renewing means renovating by the renovation of your mind. The first step of renovation is demolition. You got to bring down the walls that are in the way of the vision. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Bring down the barrier that's blocking you from your destiny. Bring down the stronghold. Bring down the wall. Tear down the brick. Bring down the thing. That's making you live at a lower level than what God's called you to live at. We just broke through the spirit of fear. Search me, oh God. Try me. Know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way in me. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. Victories in your mind are the most important victories you can walk in. Some of you, your mind has been the devil's playground. You've almost felt defeated. Like you can't even win the battle over yourself. But the Lord had you here this morning, today, to pull down the stronghold, to eyeball the demon, to stare at hell in the face and say, enough is enough. I've made up my mind. I'm getting victory where it matters. I've made up my mind. I'm getting victory where it counts. I've made up my mind. I may not be anything to anybody, but if I get victory in my head, it's the only thing that matters. That's what you've got to do. You've got to leave here with a made up mind. I'm getting victory where it matters. Live your life intentionally. Jesus is coming. What are you thinking about? What are you dwelling on? Where does the checkpoint need to be? What's the thing always trespassing? I'm going to give this to Bishop with this, but I'm going to say this. I preached at General Conference about Nehemiah building the wall and how he had to withstand. There's so much stuff here. How he had to withstand certain people, Sambalot, Tobiah, Geshem, Noadiah. Sambalot was this really loud, boisterous, mocking, distracting voice. Tobiah was this smart aleck behind the scenes that would talk bad but wouldn't say anything to Nehemiah's face. When the wall was built and everything looked just right, Nehemiah went away, the comforter. That's what Nehemiah's name means. He went away. He came back. When he came back, in the end of the book of Nehemiah, he's walking in the city. He goes in the temple, and Tobiah is in living in the temple. 
The wall was built, but the porters, the leadership, let the spirit in. What good does it to build the wall if you've got a snake in the garden already? We're so focused on preaching about what's not in blocking, and I'm all for it. But how can you keep wanting victory outwardly if there's defeat inwardly? Nehemiah said, that's not victory if we've got a wall built, but the devil's living inside the wall. You've got the Holy Ghost baptized in Jesus' name. Go to the right church, hear the right preaching, prophesy over your destiny, and you've got a spirit inside you that makes you act crazy. What good does all, I'm, I'm sorry, what good does all the outward stuff do? You need holiness outwardly and inwardly also. Because if holiness is only an outward signal. See, I'm doing it. But you've got stuff going on in here. It doesn't matter what you're doing outwardly if there's defeat inwardly. God wants us to walk in victory inwardly and outwardly. And if you ever get to that dimension, there's not a devil in your city, in your state, or in your country, or in your family, or in your house that's been in your head. There's nothing that can take you down if you know how to walk in victory in both dimensions. Bishop, please come. Let's walk in authority. Don't ask. Start speaking in the name of the Lord Jesus. Tell those things to leave. You have authority over them. Let's thank the Lord for the word. It's very important. I want you to close your eyes and I want you to listen. Listen to the spirit right now. Listen to the spirit. What thought is God pushing? Toward you right now. I want you to say it in your spirit. What gift, what direction, what next step, what sacrifice, what personal spiritual discipline, what self identity is the Lord pushing? What thought does He have toward you? This is revelation. Somebody that walked in here like Brother Harry was so honest and transparent saying, I'm a loser. You're walking out of here. I'm a winner. <laughs> you walked in here. I'm a nobody. You're walking out. I'm a somebody. You walked in here. I have no direction. You're walking out. I know exactly where I'm going. I know exactly where I'm going. You walked in here discouraged. You're walking out edified, built up, strengthened. I want you to close your eyes. Get that, get that in your mind right now. That identify it. Identify it. One thing. One thing. Now, I want you to lift your hands and open your mouth and prophesy it. Come on, prophesy it. Declare it. Declare it. Come on, say, I am, and then whatever the Lord says you are. Whatever he said you are, come on. Come on, somebody shout it out. I am delivered. I am the child of God. I am an anointed vessel of the Lord. I am called to preach. I am called to missions. I am called, amen, to the fivefold ministry. I am called to miracles, wonders, and signs, and the gift of faith. Come on. Come on. I wish I could get somebody to declare it right now. I wish I could get somebody to speak it right now. Come on, prophesy it over yourself right now. Uh, I don't hear much confidence about this. I don't hear much confidence just yet. Come on. It needs to get roar. There needs to be a roar. There needs to be a confidence. Come on, speak it. There has to come a time when you declare it. Don't be afraid to speak it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
about two minutes ago it would have been more powerful in your life this is what it's got to be like this is the authority it's got to be like I don't doubt it (laughs) I am what he says I am revelatory word like I have heard since Thursday night. I've been to all, I've been to every conference you can think of and I'm giving God the glory and I'm going to tell you why because this is a late hour. This is a late hour and revelation is here and I hope that you will be serious and meditate and talk to people. Talk to people. In fact, as we leave this place, what I want you to do if you Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go somebody that you know, that you trust. And I want you to say, here's what God is pushing toward me. Here's the thought. Here's God's mind that he's pushing toward me. Declare it. Declare it to somebody. Declare it to somebody. Speak it to somebody. As we leave today, would you do that? Go find somebody. Don't, don't say it to just anybody. Say it to somebody that you know loves you, prays for you, trusts you, and believes in you. Go do that. And we'll see you tonight. Prayer at 530. And tonight, Brother Justin Gleason and Brother Josh Herring. Amen. We'll see you at 530. The Lord be with you. Have a great afternoon.